Welcome to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. This is the podcast that is designed to help you lead your life enthusiastically today, tomorrow, and every other day. I am your host, Ron Kaiser. I'm a positive health psychologist, also a keynote and TEDx speaker and author of the award-winning and best-selling book, Rejuvenating the Art and Science of Growing Older with Enthusiasm. My website is The Mental Health Gym. It's your source of all sorts of information regarding to pot, regarding positive psychology, wellness, my own particular spin on the field that I call goal-achieving psychology, rejuvenating, and lots of other wellness-related topics. It's also the place to visit if you have somebody to recommend as a potential guest for this podcast series. Listeners to the podcast know that we book our guests who are particularly enthusiastic about the way they lead their own lives and have ways to help us from their own unique perspectives to lead our lives in the most enthusiastic and physically and emotionally healthy manner so that we can be the best versions of ourselves throughout the lifespan. We're especially fortunate today to have a guest who has gone through a couple of versions of herself and really seems to have mastered it. And so we're so looking forward to meeting and speaking with Liesl Hayes. Liesl, in 2016, described herself as having been broken. That's, as a psychologist, that's a, that's a terrible word to to hear, but she said that she was broken. Her marriage was barely surviving. She was working 60 hours a week in her corporate job, and she was usually the last mom to pick up her kids from daycare. She was in crisis. In a brave effort to change her life, she left her decade-long career in human resources and opened an inn located in downtown Lee's Summit, Missouri. Entrepreneurship taught Liesl the value of trusting her inner voice, setting boundaries, and balancing her work and family. She has rearranged her life to live in alignment with her truest, most authentic self. In her latest evolution, she is an author, serial entrepreneur, and human resources consultant. Uh, she lives in Lee's Summit, Missouri with her husband, children, and Golden Doodle. And we are looking forward to the fact that soon Liesl's book will be released. It's called Broken, Changed, and Rearranged. It's to be released by Morgan James Publishing this summer. So it's something to look forward to. But even before that, we're looking forward to meeting and speaking with you. Lizo, welcome to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. It's great to have you with us. Ron, it's really great to be here today. Thanks for having me. Well, we're looking forward to learning about your really interesting life. But what's even more interesting to start with is uh, some of us know nothing about Lee's Summit. Whereabouts is it? Is it near someplace I may have heard of? And uh, what is it? I mean, in terms of size and 
so on, because you said it has a downtown, so uh, I'm assuming it's bigger than I, I may have thought. Ron, I'm just so surprised you've never heard of Lee Summit, Missouri. It's such a booming metropolis. I'm just giving you a hard time. So Lee Summit is actually located. It's a suburb that's located near Kansas City, Missouri. And I think a lot of people know where Kansas City is. And it is a bedroom community. It has about 150,000 people who live here and call it home. So it's not small, but it's not a large community. And yes, we have a charming downtown that very much reminds me of a Main Street community. And the inn that I own is located right down the street from that charming downtown area. Okay, well, nothing like a good start to make me feel guilty about not knowing a, a place that has 150,000 people because uh, that that's sizable. So let me get off of that subject and, and let me ask, what, what were you doing in corporate America before you changed things? And uh, why were you working 60 hours a week? I know some people in business who, who don't work 60 hours a week. So uh, tell us a little bit about the old you. <laughs> So I worked at a global healthcare IT company. It's one of the largest in the world. And I worked in human resources. I was a human resources strategist and I focused specifically on learning and development. So I did work 60 hours a week. And Ron, that was, that was a very self-imposed schedule. At that point in my life, I was hyper fixated on the goal of becoming an executive. And that, from, from my personal vantage point, that required late hours. Um, it required taking special projects. And I didn't have any boundaries really in place to reach that goal. So I was the yes person at work. I was the person that everyone came to when they had last minute requests. I was the person that you could text on the weekends and would respond to you. And I would get you whatever you needed immediately. So that was very much, you know, a part of my life and who I was about four years ago. And I played that out in my corporate career as well. Well, I've known other people like that, but I'm wondering, and for some of them, they seem to project the sense that they thrive on this. I mean, was it a matter of something that was exciting for a while and then you burned out or did you know hey i can't keep going like this indefinitely uh almost from the beginning great question i knew that i couldn't keep going like this from the beginning when i started working 60 hours a week i recognized very early on that this was not a sustainable pace for me personally now that being said i always told myself every single project I would take on, this is the last, this is the last project I'm gonna work this way. I just have to get this project done, prove to my boss that I'm worthy of my promotion, and then I'll stop. And the reality is, is that that just kept happening to me project after project after project. And I would tell myself that story every time until eventually it just became my life. Mm. Interesting. Were you were you kind of misplaced? You know, I know there, there's again, there are people who seem to, to 
thrive on it, whether they really do or not, I'm not sure, but is it the kind of thing that, uh, that was a fit for you if it would have been a 40 hour week or in retrospect, was it kind of a continuation of kind of what you had done in school and the expectations, but you weren't really the, the ideal person for that role? So I enjoyed my work. But I think, Ron, there was some significant internal work that I needed to do on myself before I could enjoy any job. And that internal work for me was the ability to not feel the need to be everything to every person. And carrying that around my whole life and having this belief that I had to hustle for my worthiness, that prevented me from really being successful and living my best life in any job I was in. So I think you could have put me in any situation and the end result still would have always been the same, burnout. Well, I think there's a real, real lesson to be learned for, you know, for a lot of people in that regard, because uh, just in people with whom I've worked, it can be enticing to be the competent go-to person, you know, it, uh, Pretty soon, you're not living uh, or working for yourself as much as other people getting the best out of you. But I'm sure that there there may have been, a, as I said, kind of an enticing quality about the fact that, hey, you're doing some things better than somebody else could be doing it. Meanwhile, uh, a, a company that's going to survive with you or without you is you're kind of treating it like you're the cornerstone that's that's making it go. And you know, Ron, this is what I always say. I thought that I was irreplaceable and I wanted to make myself irreplaceable. They replaced me in a month. And I think that that's a good reminder in our lives when we're prioritizing what matters it's not that we shouldn't show up at work and do an exceptional job because I believe in doing good work, but we shouldn't self-sacrifice ourselves to the place where we aren't taking care of our whole selves. That's a really fantastic message. I guess I'm wondering as uh, I'd like to shift gears a little bit to what you're doing now. And uh, when I first heard that you changed from a corporate job to opening an inn, I've thought about conversations that I've had with my wife quite a few years ago. That's not part of our thinking now, but I used to mention, geez, wouldn't it be great when we retire to uh, like open a bed and breakfast or an inn or something like that? And she said, I'm not working that hard. I'm not gonna retire. There's rooms to take care of and to clean. There's there's going to be some kind of outside work that, that's done. We're going to have to deal with food. We're going to, you're never off when you do that. Is our perception incorrect? I mean, I, you know, I, I'm just wondering, did you trade one overloaded, overloading thing for another? Or how, how did you manage to, to make the switch and seemingly be much more happy about it? 
Great question. So I will tell you, Ron, when we first opened this business, one of the things that's very different about our inn is that we don't live on property. So a lot of people who own guest houses or bed and breakfast, they live on property. Um, we often joked we had two dogs and two children and nobody wants to vacation with us and that's okay. So there is a work-life separation that exists, but here's what I will tell you. Because I still had a lot of internal work to do, when I opened this in originally, I worked myself back into the 60-hour work week. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that is when I very much recognized that there were things that I needed to do the deep work on and change internally to really be able to not take this version of Liesl that was in the 60-hour work week and just transplant her into this new story. So new story same old Liesl, same old patterns. So how do we start to fix those things and how do, we, how do we rewire those things that create us living a story that we don't want to live? Because the reality is, is that we can all work ourselves into a 60-hour work week no matter what we do. So I don't know if that completely answers your question, Ron. Yeah, no, it, it, that's really helpful. I got some questions that take off from it, but I, I know you tapped into one of my, I think, original favorite expressions that, uh, you know, if you have nothing to do all day, it will take you all day to get it done. And I think so that whatever you're doing, you, you can really fill in that time. But what lessons can you teach others with respect to how you achieve some sense of balance? Because you know, clearly you've managed to to make the change to to really be happy with your life now. Definitely. And Ron, I know we talked about this a little bit, but ultimately, I think everyone is wired differently and we all have different forms of balance. And for me personally, I mean, people look at my life even now and they will say, I feel like you're doing things all the time. But I have reached a place personally where I am balancing my life in a way that I'm prioritizing the things that really matter to me. And when I think about what really matters to me is it's my, it's my family, it's my business, it's my own introverted personal time, it's self-development. So when I think about my life, when I'm maintaining balance, all of the things that I am prioritizing, they align to that larger vision that I have for my life. And I think many of us, when we start to really prioritize and figure out, here are the things that matter first, but am I really aligning my time that way? And I think sometimes if we would really sit down and look at how we spend the hours of our day, they may not be aligned to those higher level priorities. And for me, balance is making sure that my time is aligning to those priorities that I have in my life. Oh, that's really excellent advice. Thanks for offering that. In general, would you say you're in control of your life at this point? Have you managed to set it up so that, that you really don't feel that you're headed for burnout as opposed to uh, what was the situation before? So I definitely feel like I have control over my life now, but I also think that that is an intentional effort. And I think 
what happened to me before is that I hadn't defined my priorities for my life really. And I wasn't aligning my time with that. And so on the other end of it, I think what happened to me four years ago is I didn't really even know what mattered to me. Like I knew what I should say, you know, the typical, oh yes, I'm married. I have two beautiful children, an amazing husband, but I wasn't aligning my life to reflect the things that I was saying that mattered. And that's why, that's why I got lost. Interesting. I think a lot of us can relate to that, that sometimes we're so busy doing what we're kind of programmed to do that the stuff that's really important to us is left for overtime. And sometimes that just doesn't, doesn't arrive. That's great that you've been able to reach that point. It, was it hard Would you, for people who are listening and wondering, hey, this makes a lot of sense. Was it hard to, to make that kind of change or did it, you get to that to a point of saying, hey, I can't go on like this. Anything's going to be better or, you know, it's or it wasn't that hard. It was hard. It was really hard. And I think the reason that it was is because there was a series of decisions that I made that led me into crisis. And those didn't happen overnight. It's, I like to use the example of someone who becomes an alcoholic. They don't start drinking a 24 pack of beer a day. That's not what happens. Moving yourself into crisis happens in small, seemingly insignificant decisions that you don't think are major at the time but then lead you to crisis. First, for the alcoholic, they start by just drinking on the weekends, right? And then the weekends start to become the weekdays. And then the weekdays are the week mornings. And so for me, like there were so many decisions that led to me getting into crisis that there were a ton of decisions and a lot of work that I had to do to get me out of that crisis. So it did not happen overnight. And it was definitely something that I've been working on and still work on just from the last four years. Um, there was a lot of unraveling and it was hard, but it was worth it. Well, for someone who isn't as extreme in terms of their, their overcommitments as you, but really wants to avoid going down the wrong path. Are there some general principles that you can, can tell us? Sure. So one of the things that's really important for me, and I talk about this in my book a little bit, but it's called an attention inventory. And that's just really my way of saying, I think it's really important that you do an attention inventory in your life. And what that means is that you spend time just analyzing your schedule and you determine, okay, so here are the things that really matter to me first, right? My family really matters to me. Um, my children really matter to me. Um, my job really matters to me. And once you have those priorities, you do an attention inventory and you look at where am I spending my time during the week? Where's the majority of my time being spent? And if you can say to yourself as you do that inventory, you know what, the majority of things I'm spending my life on are pretty balanced, then you know that you're headed in the right direction. However, I think 
what happens oftentimes, again, we prioritize the things that matter, but then we don't align where we're spending our time to those things. So I think that's always a helpful practice to do. And, you know, that's something that you should do regularly in your life. Just analyze where am I spending my time and is it aligned to my priorities? Great advice. Terrific. I assume that you're not the only one who went through the change, but your family did too. Uh, do you, how, how did they take to what was actually a major lifestyle change for them too? So they came along with me on this journey and we, we have done a lot of work together. And I think what happened when I was in crisis is I started to operate as just Liesl. It was just what mattered to me. It was just what I valued. It was just what I needed. And I got lost in that. And to really, you know, move forward, we had to come together as a family unit and kind of decide, you know, what, what matters to us? How are we going to move through this? How are we going to get out of this? And so it became a collaboration a collaboration out of crisis, really. And they were with me every step of the way. I mean, they had to be for us to be able to heal and move forward because there was a lot of hurt, you know, for everyone in the family. So we had to heal together. That's helpful to know. Just from a curiosity standpoint, did it require a geographic move or had you been living in the, the same area? Good question. So we, you know, we actually stayed in Lee Summit. So we did live in Lee Summit when we originally um, went through everything. So yes, we stayed here. Okay. Let me ask something for, for a subset of my listeners. A certain percentage of our listeners are in kind of the older age range, uh, second half century of life, in or about to enter retirement, some of whom have spent decades not really living the best versions of themselves. Have any specific advice to them? That's good. So I think I've seen my parents go through retirement recently. And I believe that many of us live our lives excited about retirement. And it's almost like this destination endpoint, right? Where it's like, okay, so now are the golden years. I can do whatever I want. I can travel. And my parents tell me very much about this reality of we go to doctor's appointments all the time. My dad's like, my body just, it doesn't move like it used to. And he's like, I just thought it would be different than this. And, you know, I think the advice that I have and what I've seen people who really excel is it's still finding your purpose. It's still having a reason every day to get up, whatever that reason is. Um, there is this feisty 85 year old man who attends every chamber meeting you can possibly imagine in this community. And he tells me, he's like, I have purpose. I get up every day. And I go and I have coffee in the coffee shop at the same time. And then I go to my chamber meetings and 
he's like, and, and then I go home and I cook dinner. So it, for him, it's about purpose. And I think that as we get older, we can explore even more what that purpose is, but we have to give ourselves a reason to wake up every day. And that looks different for, for every person in this life. Yeah, thank you for that, because that's, that's really helpful. It's very, just from a, my standpoint as a psychologist, it's very hard to be active and depressed at the same time. And, uh, you know, having a purpose really sets the, the pace for you to do the things that help you to, to accomplish that purpose. So that, that's really helpful. Uh, how about the other end of the, ra- of the age range? If we've got parents of young kids, for example, who they want to see achieve, as every parent does, uh, yet to develop as real balanced human beings. Any, any particular advice for them? Well, this is a concept I introduced in my book, and it's, I'm going to have to explain it a little bit, but it's called Funeral Goals. So there's a chapter that I write called Funeral Goals, and it's all about going to my grandfather's funeral and the things that were said about that man. And my grandpa was an incredibly kind human who made every person that he interacted with feel important. And when I am thinking about my life and defining my life, I create funeral goals. But when I create funeral goals, I think about them as five years out. I think about that my funeral is going to happen in five years. I don't know how much time I have. So when I create goals for my life five years out, I think about in five years, what do I want set at my funeral? And how do I align my life priorities to that? I'm not the first self-development author author to talk about thinking about your funeral. And I know it sounds a little bit morbid, but ultimately, if we can start to think about what makes for a meaningful life, what makes for meaningful stories, then we can live that life. And so that's what I do. I create funeral goals and I do it. I think about it five years out. That's that's great. When you started talking about funerals, I was wondering whether we're going to end on a downer in some way, <laughs> taking a, what could be a morbid topic and, and made it into a really productive one. So I think that will be very helpful for a lot of people and can relate to them. And, and uh, I do think the concept of five years, as opposed to, uh, you know, a lifetime uh, or an ambiguous number of years is probably a really, really helpful thing. As usual, we start running out of time before we start running out of questions, but we haven't really talked much about your book. Uh, and so what I'd kind of like to get a sense of is what will somebody uh, learn and what, how will they benefit if they purchase it? I assume they're going to be able to real soon and maybe we can help that process along. But uh, uh, aside from hearing about funerals, what else, what else we can learn about in there? So, Ron, I believe that life begins after we agree to write our own story. And my book is very much about the challenge of oftentimes the predefined molds that we all kind of fit in for our lives. I think many of us walk around living stories that were created for us and not by us. And 
my book really focuses on how do you start to embrace the things that really matter in your life, listen to your deep inner voice, and begin living the stories that are actually meaningful to you and not necessarily what other people want for your life. That's really an interesting way of looking at it as stories. I mean, are you a, a storyteller yourself or how did, how did stories become kind of this central thing, which I think makes a whole lot of sense, uh, especially the, the concept that many of us are leading lives that are based on story on other people's stories for us. But where did you come up with or how do you think in, in stories terms? You know, I think we as humans all connect over story. It brings us together and it's part of the human experience. And so for me, you know, even in my book, I'm, I'm basically just telling you my story, right? It's here's my story. And I hope that people can connect with that piece of my life as I give them self-development advice, because I think so oftentimes we write self-development books or we have authors that write self-development books and they don't share their story. And my goal is I want to connect over my story so we can start working on your story. Yeah, great. I think that that's a real important point that a lot of times uh, self-development books are just kind of about things and it's very hard to relate to it at a human level and so i'm really looking forward to to reading yours can you tell us how do we get it when it's published who's where is it going to be when does it come out and all that stuff this will be in the show notes too so that uh, if you're driving and it sounds interesting don't stop or Put it in on your cell phone. It'll be in the, in the show notes. So, but how how do we get it? What's the title once again, and all that kind of stuff? Sure. So the title is Broken, Changed, and Rearranged, and it will be published by Morgan James. If you want information and updates on it, you can go to lieselhayes.com/book. And it will, the pre-order link for my book will be released in April and the ebook will be available this summer and the hardback copy will be available in the fall at all your major bookstores. Okay, great. And are you on social media or what about, I'm sure that a lot of people are listening to this story and thinking, gee, she'd be somebody great to follow and hear what she has to say how, how do people get in touch or follow you? Sure. So on Instagram, I am at liesel.hayes. Don't forget that dot. And then on Facebook, I am at facebook.com author. Okay. And not everybody spells Hayes the way that you do. So maybe you should spell that for us. That is a really fair point. So Liesel is L-I-E-S-L. And then no, my I last name is think Hayes. Of that, that, that <laughs> not everybody knows how to spell Lieseling. I thought about it too. And then H-A-Y-S is Hayes. Yeah, no E in Hayes. Yes, it's tricky. Great. Well, needless to say, I've learned a lot. It's got me thinking about 
ways that I use my time, I'm sure that many of the listeners have had a wake-up call. And for some who it's not a wake-up call, they've developed a model for how to be able to live their lives enthusiastically and become a better version of themselves than basically being letting somebody else have the best version of themselves while they're left over with with the rest. Sorry that you had to go through that mistake to help other people, but it's been really terrific that you've been able to share that with us. Uh, I'm so grateful that you've spent the time with us today, Liesl. It's uh, really great having this conversation with you. We look forward to the book and uh, hopefully we will be talking again down the road. I hope so. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you. Well, thank you. It's been, been really special. So this has been Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser, the podcast designed to help you live your life enthusiastically every day of your life. As you listeners are aware, we almost always have somebody who's both informative, educational, as well as quite entertaining and comfortable in telling their stories. Liesl Hayes was a has an especially important personal story that can generalize to so many of us. So we hope that you will, as usual, subscribe, download, rate, and review the podcast. And we hope that you will visit next week for our next interesting guest. Again, please visit the website, thementalhealthgym.com, for all kinds of information in the positive psychology and wellness area and to suggest upcoming guests. If you haven't yet picked up your copy of Rejuvenating the Art and Science of Growing Older with Enthusiasm, it's available in all three formats, paperback, ebook, and audiobook on Amazon. And again, let's stay in touch both on the website and by being a regular listener to the Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser podcast. And so until next time, with again, special thanks to Liesl Hayes for her very informative presentation about her life and her book and her advice to others. We're going to be signing off now. Everybody stay safe and we'll see you next week.